HD 107.9 Life. James here with you, joined again by Rachel Peroxide Perm Naar Park. Thanks. <laughs> I, I'd love to say that I hadn't spent time working on that, but I had. It's like that scene in Brooklyn Nine-Nine where um, Captain Holt's trying to think of a comeback for um, lunch. And he goes, it's lunchtime or lunchtime or something. Lunchtime is over. Yeah. And they're like, it took you all night to think of that. <laughs> yeah. But, what, uh, and the, the the sad reality is I was thought of that last night as I was out, like, go for a walk, go for a, my, my evening stroll, and which was lovely, by the way. It was a beautiful night last night. And it did remind me of that scene where, now, who's the character who's really dour? The female detective who's really oh, dour? Rose. Rose. Rosa. When she has to go and try to get a... Um, uh, she's trying to get information out of uh, someone who knows a witness, and she's a hairdresser. Oh yeah, do you remember that, that one? I love and every that. and and for people who haven't seen this episode, every time it gets close to her giving her something that she really needs, she's, she stops um, and go, oh, you know, but we're done with you now, so we'll we'll pick this up later. And she has to keep upping it, go, oh, how about a color then? You know, how about this? And in the end, she goes right before she gets this beautiful bit of information, she goes, oh, how about a perm? <laughs> she said it reluctantly, so she ends up with this incredibly bleached and teased, um, um, incredible perb that would have looked even out of place in about 1984 but anyway That's so a, a, but anyone who who has ever seen you Rachel Park will know that a peroxide perm is totally not where you were at yeah uh, thankfully yeah great to have you here today we're going to be chatting about all sorts of things it's going to be very very hard though to not talk about kind of the biggest thing that's been happening not just in Adelaide but globally over the last week or so and then all of the news that's kind of followed it on both sides of kind of the if you want to call it the fence we'll talk about that in just a second about what this fence really is but we'll get into that in a moment as we alluded to before big event happened in the last week of course we are talking about the was it strike for climate is that what it was called yeah strike for climate and you were there rachel park tell us tell us about it and what it was like so it was the morning definitely i remember that much and <laughs> don't look at me. I don't remember anything. Okay. No, I do. I won't. I, will, I won't look at you. I'll look at a. I'll look at the door. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> it's a nice door. Oh, it's a, oh my god. Well, it matches the room. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> All right. Not sure about the fixtures. Anyway. So, so a um, group of uni students had decided to walk down to Victoria Square. So naturally, I followed them. Um, we stood at Victoria Square for a couple of hours while speeches were going. I'd like to tell you what happened in them, but I couldn't hear because the sound system was inadequate for that. Yeah, well, I, I, I heard that they weren't expecting anywhere near as many people, so they kind of gotten a smaller sound rig. Yeah. yeah, I could... I mean, there were so many people there anyway, I could barely see what was happening. 5A mm. Life rep. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so um, speeches went for about an hour, hour and a half. And then, you know, I was trying to meet up with people, trying to figure out where I was. Yeah. And then we all started marching. And I have never seen that many people. I didn't even know there were that many people that lived in Adelaide. I know. That were, like, marching. I only saw, I think, what was a small section of a huge, huge amount of people. Mm -hmm. I think there were, like, 30,000, maybe more than that. Yeah, right. Yeah. I heard 20, but that was just an estimate, I think. Yeah, I've got no idea. Like I said, bad at math, can't count. Yeah, so we marched. (laughs) 
if you'd spent all the time at the march counting to 20,000 I would have said that probably wouldn't have been the best use of your time I but anyway run out of hands I gotta use my hands to count <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway we were marching down and it was so I suppose empowering in a way because there was you know power in numbers and all that kind of stuff yeah and everyone was chanting, albeit, you know, different groups of people were chanting different chants, so it was a bit confusing at times. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there were so many young people there with signs, and they were so passionate and ready to stand up for what they believed in and whatnot, and, you know, looking disdain with a little bit of disdain at all the people who were still working in the buildings. Right. Yeah, lots of people were taking photos and stuff, which is cool to look back at them and whatnot and see, like, the amount of sheer, the sheer number of people that were there. Why do you think this... Because this is supposed to be... Um, I heard somewhere that this is the largest kind of global protest like that has ever really ever been. Yeah, like, the, Why do you think now, at this time, with, with this particular issue, why do you think this has really grabbed um, everyone's... Like, you know, everyone just feels such a strong sense of purpose mm-hmm. uh, around this at this moment? So I'd say now compared to 10 years ago when it wasn't such a big issue, most millennials and younger millennials and Gen Z kids were not at an age that they could. I mean, I suppose at like 10, how old was I 10 years ago? I'm 20 now, 10. Yeah. (laughs) I had to think about that. Yeah, you weren't kidding about the maths. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we weren't really in a position where we could, you know, we had opinions and whatnot, but it's not like adults really cared on whether we thought, you know, climate change was a real thing or not. And even those that did believe in climate change were, I suppose, a quite small minority at that point because we hadn't really begun to see the impact 10 years ago. I would say it's only really now that, you know, we're really starting to feel it. And now that a lot of us Gen Z and millennials are older, we we have to live on this planet. Yeah. You know, when all the older people die, we're going to be the ones if this doesn't get... I suppose repaired that uh, sorry to get dark here but we're probably gonna die of climate change if we don't fix something yeah for real yeah and it's i suppose it's something that we're so passionate about because it's literally our livelihood why should we care about everything else when this is such an important issue to our livelihood the the person and this this whole um event started in uh, only a year ago mm. like this is something that um uh, a swedish teenage girl greta thunberg began sitting by herself outside the Swedish parliament taking her first strike for climate to really sort of grab this issue. But the whole world has kind of really been captured by the imagination of this. And she was um, uh, gave a speech in New York uh, last week uh, all about this. And it's incredibly, uh, it you know, I can see why she's really captured the imagination of people because it's direct, it's not diplomatic, it speaks truth to power. Just play a little bit of how it all began because this is the bit that people have probably heard. If you haven't heard, you should check this out. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? Yeah. I love that so, so much. That's what she opens with, and it and it just and and it goes on because it's it's a very interesting thing because she's not pointing to herself as being some great giver of truth, not yeah. being a greater authority than the science that exists. And the science that exists, ninety seven percent of it says, 
hey, this is where we are. And it's been saying this for like over 10 years at least. Yeah. So these things are only going to get bigger. It's yeah, only going to become bigger and more powerful. It's just you and I today, Rachel it Park. Is. It was going to be more of us, but it turns out that for some reason or another, all our other co-hosts decided that they needed to be in Melbourne today. Why is this? What, what is going on? It's all right. We don't care. We're fine. We're fine here. It's We're fine. fine. We're, yeah. we're holding down the fort. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's fine. It's chill. We're, we're making sure that our duty to amazing radio is fulfilled. Yeah here uh, on on HD Radio. But we were talking about the last time each of us was in Melbourne, trying to remember when that happened, when we felt that we had to go there. There yeah. was some need, some great event that we were being we pulled to. We yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to Brighton tomorrow. I'm, and you said you're going to come too. Yeah, Because we're doing too. Founders Day for uh, Sacred Heart yeah. and you being a former Sacred Hearter. Yes. Is that, is that the correct term? I don't know. Everything's changed like the past years I've been there. So, but it'll be good to do again and do it like a broadcast there. So that'll be on next week's show. But when were you last in Melbourne anyway? I think it's been, I'm going to say I was 10 or younger last time I was there. Right. Yeah. And I'm 20 That's now. a long time ago. That is a long time ago. And what were you doing when you were 10? Playing on my Nintendo probably. And what was that? Was that a, a DS? Is yeah. that what it was? DS. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, that I'm, was. I'm hip with the kids of 10 years yeah. ago, man. Yeah. I was. <laughs> Playing on my Nintendo DS Lite and, you know, watching movies about Barbie. Was I old enough? No, it's probably too old. Okay. And, you know, going to school, do all my homework. Absolutely. Year five was a demanding time. It was. So, but what were you, what were you over in Melbourne for? What was the, what was the occasion? I think my grandparents just wanted to take me on a holiday there. I think I, I imagine I probably had been asking for a while to go to Melbourne because they usually took me to like small country towns and I was like, I want to go to Melbourne. Right. Because, you know, apparently I know a lot of stuff at 10 about Melbourne or something like that. It's always an interesting thing when you stop and think about it, about going to a holiday to another city. When you live in a city and then you go to another city. And it's a different city. Yeah. It's kind of the same, but it's also not. Yeah. I I don't know. Like, I always, and that's the thing, I always tend to go to holidays in cities. But whenever I kind of go there and do it, I find myself going, you know, outside of the... The, the the kind of the the possible this is gonna sound a bit lame but the things you can do while you are there sort of like you go and see like a theater show or yeah. I don't know what you go like there's they've got a zoo haven't they and like an aquarium thingy you know stuff with people doing things yeah, yeah. those those sorts of things or maybe like a big sporting event sort of yeah. outside of that like would you go to a city just to see a city? Because a city's just a city, right? Like, yeah. there's there's not much else. There's, like, cities like Melbourne and Sydney that are, like, that are, I suppose, similar to Adelaide, just more expensive. And then there are cities like New York City, which yeah. are cool as hell. Well, they're, like, cool they're cultural... They're cultural icons. Like, so you'd yeah. go there and go, this is something that I've seen on TV and yeah. movies and stuff. And and it becomes more about experiencing that yeah. as well as kind of what the city has to have offer. on offer, I guess, you yeah. know, in that way. But um, no, I was there. Like, I've actually been like, I went to Sydney. I went to Sydney kind of over Christmas time for like a day. And then I went to... 
Melbourne last year for a day. But that was only to go to, well, I went to Sydney um, to see a show at the Opera House that was on. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was also something at the at the, the art gallery, which is nearby, I forget what it's called, but it's like awesome. And I wanted to see both of those things. And then um, when I went to Melbourne, I went for a, a concert, like just a concert. And I did, because I had to do that fully on the cheap, <laughs> I went and uh, like did the like the red eye the red eye tiger flight in, uh, you know, and then just went and I stayed in this hotel that uh, seriously I swear is a converted prison. <laughs> Everything about it looked like a prison, you know. And I remember I called my partner up and said, "Hey, I'm staying at this hotel and it's like a prison." And they're like, "Yeah, right. Like that's just hyperbole." You know? And I sent a photo of what it looked like from the internal, because um, you know, like you got all the the the. Well, it looks like when you see shows of like the prison, like you see like um, you know. Oh, like the bare walls and the floor. Yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, no. Well, not bars on the window, but like you know how it's got like the um, uh, you've got the sort of like the central area, all the staircases going through the middle, and then there's kind of all of the oh, walkways around the outside, and about. then all of the rooms are just dotted around around the whole thing and seriously it looked like if the place did get dirty you could seriously just hose it down it was all because it was all cement and stuff like it was all like that is it bad i only know exactly what you're describing because i've been to a prison exactly like that not being arrested i just went on a tour there just for clarification okay yeah see that's another thing you can do when you go on a tour of a city you could tour a prison (laughs) i love the thing those things they're like you know can't do that in the suburbs man yeah can't even do that here because i is, no, the prison here isn't being used, is it? The one down by the tra- train? No, yeah, that's the old Adelaide jail. Yeah. And you can go there. You can actually do events there. Oh. You can hold music festivals at the old Adelaide jail. I know where I'm having my next birthday. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, I'm turning 21. Who and I'm doing lit? it in solitary. <laughs> get lit in solitary. <laughs> <laughs> With all my friends. <laughs> In other solitary. It's, it, you're not really something that you're sharing as a group experience. Yeah. A group experience in solitary is and not quite right. that's what makes it special. Yeah, exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. I hear the food's amazing. Anyway, the, uh, this, is, this is going well. really off, off the rails. <laughs> we were talking about mac and cheese, uh, Rachel Park. I love it. I love it too. I love it. I only really encountered it like in my 20s. That I really kind of get into. I never had it as I a kid. I grew up on it. Really? Like, yeah. My, you grew up on it. Yeah. Were you like kinda. one of these kids who were like you were like really picky and you would only eat certain things? Uh maybe when I was younger, but like, but when I got older, I definitely developed an appreciation for it. What do you love about mac and cheese? What's your favorite part oh, of it? Oh, the fact that it's so easy to make. Right. I just don't like have to think. I don't have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you just get the the so- Do you cook the pasta first, or do you? I put it. Um, if I'm getting like the, are we talking about like? Actual- I'm just all of a sudden got really hungry. Same. Yeah, um, yeah. It depends on if we're talking about actual mac and cheese or easy mac. Oh, okay. Yeah, I tend to go for easy mac because it's easy. And what do you do with easy mac? Uh, so you get the pasta, you put it in, put some water in, microwave the pasta for three minutes, put the flavoring in, then mix it, and then eat it, and then. Repeat that process five more times throughout the day. <laughs> okay, I thought that that was the instruction on the box, but no, it's no. just like and repeat five more times in one day. I love that. Uh, Something would happen to you, like physiologically, I if you ate nothing but mac and cheese five times a day for like a week. A solitary macaroni noodle. Exactly. There should be like a super size me, but for someone having only eating a month of macaroni and cheese, and what would happen to them? I feel like that's something that's probably actually happened. There's probably I'm sure a show out there. That, 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 but that can't be because there's no. I'm going to be on it if there's not. <laughs> do you make 
like on some days when you're feeling like really posh and you want to have a little bit something special, do you make it from scratch? No, I'll add some like I'll add um other cheeses from like the fridge. <laughs> so like we got some pizza cheese in there. We got some uh what's the other cheese called that you put in pasta? Uh, parmesan. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I'll add some other. I'll mix it up, and it'll be extra cheesy. All right. See, Super if you're if you're using good quality cheese, yeah, for a easy mac, really, okay, <laughs> that would that would be what you would class probably as a fromage faux pas. What did you just say to me? An illegal soft cheese maneuver. Oh, sorry, I tried to say that really seriously and I couldn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. It just so happens that a fromage faux pas has allegedly occurred. This is the reason why we kind of brought it up. I, there was method to our madness. Apart from my love from Easy Mac. Yeah. So, I okay. So, this has really happened in the world and this is really in the news. So, just, let, just like preparing you for this. Okay. So, there's been a celebrity French chef and his name is Marc Verriat. He has sued Michelin. You know, the people who do the stars, the, you yeah. know, you learn about, I've only really learned about this from MasterChef, but like I a Michelin star reference. They, they were a Michelin star restaurant. That's the thing. That's what, that, that's, that's the height of culinary sophistication. Yeah. He is, he got demoted. Like they, he got a three star Michelin thing or a three hat Michelin thing or whatever they get given. And uh, he was demoted because allegedly a person who came in to sort of like, you know, check on, the Michelin business <laughs> claims he used cheddar cheese in a uh, what do you call it? like a souffle rather than French. I'm going to say this wrong: Reblochon, Beaufort, and Tommier. They're the kind of cheeses that you need yeah. to use. Apparently, all mispronounced, all by me. Copyright 2019. Oh yeah. So, so he's in them. But what he's claiming is that the Michelin guy had a unsophisticated palate and that didn't realise that uh, he said the cheese was yellow. It was yellow, so that was the reason why it was. But he'd actually put saffron in it, which is that sort of that that stuff. And when you buy it in, in the shops, you get like, this little, little bit and it costs you like $10 billion. Um, but it's like adds this really amazing flavour. But the one thing it does is it turns everything yellow, bright yellow. So he's claiming that uh, uh, he was unsophisticated and uh, a, a bit bourgeois and... This is why they need uni students to like do the Michelin stuff. You reckon? Yeah, because we don't care. It's free... F- Wait a second, like, but that doesn't that doesn't give you the height of cuisine. Yeah. Because you go into a restaurant going, five Michelin stars, review. Hey, man, it was free, okay? Megan's got me choosers, all right? <laughs> but there should be like a uni student version of the Michelin star yeah. guide. You're like, well, the microwave's been caked and stuff from the last 10 people, but I can't really taste that in this, so four and a half stars. So for you, um, what sort of food... Okay, so I guess it would be a place that serves amazing mac and cheese. Yeah. Would have to get the most stars. And what would be like, for you, like for as a gourmet mac and cheese person, like what would be in the mac and cheese to make it so good? Like what are the, what are the raw ingredients that we used? Well, I suppose pasta and cheese, obviously. And I feel like that's all you really need. And I'm really hungry now. Yeah, definitely. So we should see. I don't know if we're going to have much time during the next song to actually go out and get mac and cheese made, unless you've bought boxes of Easy Mac with you today. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> it just so happens. <laughs> Scrolling through the news, um, and I'd say that if there's been any recurring theme about um, RHD Radio and, and the people we've had on over the many years that we've done it, this is our 372nd show that we're recording today. That's Rachel Park. Probably the biggest theme that we would have had would have been a snapshot of a positive Catholic experience for young people. That would probably be our most recurring thing. I thought you were going to say me going like off topic from like all the stuff you've planned. That's number three. (laughs) Number two, 
is discussions about the plausibility of the Loch Ness Monster. That has come up so many times. I don't know. Well, I do know why. Because it keeps coming up in the news. And it's something that everyone tends to have a bit of an opinion on. So it's come up again. Um, how much like thought and time people scientifically are putting into this? This is what happened. Scientists have analysed 500 million DNA sequences to disprove theories about the Loch Ness Monster. But they've got a new plausible theory. Plausible in inverted commas. I like how it's a new theory and not just something someone went, hey, actually, Did you think maybe, which is kind of what it is, a giant eel could be behind the sightings of the mythical Loch Ness Monster. Scientists have taken 250 water samples and said that, you know, nothing there really that was really about a Loch Ness Monster. But hey, how about... The fact that with all of those sample, samples they found, they did find some eel samples. Okay. This should have been the first go-to. He said it's possible that one or two eels in Loch Ness had grown to an extreme size, oh, again in inverted commas, right. and may have become the subject of the alleged sightings. No offence, that's disgusting though. Giant eels are just not valid. Now, you were saying something about something that eels do, which makes them even more gross than you could possibly imagine. I believe and i read this on the internet so i don't it's got to be real yeah i don't know why anyone would lie on the internet but apparently eels um secrete this weird sticky kind of gooey substance when they panic mm. and i saw this picture on the internet about a bunch of eels that were being transported in a truck the truck had been hit or like fell over or something and these eels had all come out and they were just all over the road and the road was covered in white sticky stuff and honestly it's disgusting and my skin is crawling thinking about it because there's that there's that old saying can't get a greased eel through something i've never heard that but i believe it no but that's the saying so it's like i wonder if that comes from that because you know how a lot of these sayings come from like actual odd things that occur yeah so maybe that's kind of what it's all about see the theory about the Loch Ness monster that i thought was kind of like the one that they said oh no it's now definitive was it was around that thing of going that traveling circuses used to travel around that part of scotland quite a bit and the way in which elephants um uh uh, like bathe themselves is what they do is they like walk into deep bits of water but have their trunks sticking out the top so they can breathe and there's photographs of it so like um okay see that you see that one there that legit is what that looks like now tell me that's not that okay that's because on on google image search we did it we actually saw like one with the elephant like going down in the water and right next to it is that famous shot and that that's the shot like it's that the trunk coming out of the water that seems a lot more plausible than eels well, probably it sorry. does. We worked it out, guys. We've it got to the got to We're the. So the, the elephants had gone to the water and that, and they would do. Just just look it up on, on the Google machine, on, yeah. and it'll give you all those all those clue. answers. And don't go anywhere near an eel if it's about to panic. Yeah, that's well, like it. That's the other take home. Any eels in general, or just eels in general. Yeah. It can't it can't be good. Eels stay away. <laughs> do not interact. <laughs> don't stare them in the eye. They get they feel that you're disrespecting them. They look like it. I'm disrespected by the fact that an eel looks like the way it does. Just disgusting, slimy looking. But you can't talk to an eel about that because they don't understand. They're an eel. That's what they want us to think, James. Rachel Park has been the co-host here today. That's right, kids. Rachel. It's been surreal. This has been a surreal hour. It really is. I thank you for that. No problem. (laughs) It's not a problem at all. It's like my absolute pleasure. So uh, next week we are going to be coming to you sort of live. 
We were live when we did it. Yeah. We're going to be live tomorrow at uh, Founders Day for Sacred Heart. Uh, we are here every Wednesday night from 9, every Saturday night from 10. Stay tuned to 107.9 Live for more of your music, and we will see you again in a couple of days. See ya. See ya. I've got a key.